0: Well, good morning. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord. I'm so grateful that you are joining us for our worship service together. I I want you to go on and get uh, your Bible and open with me to the Gospel of Mark. That is the uh, book that we have been studying together as a uh, church family and just right here from the get-go, I want to read some passages from the Gospel of, of, uh, of Mark as we begin together uh, focusing on and looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. The great need of our soul today is to behold the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you've got a Bible uh, there, I want us to begin in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 29. And we're going to read about six different brief uh, sections of scripture i don 't think it'll take you long to uh, pick up on a theme from these passages uh, mark chapter one verse twenty nine immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and john now simon 's mother in law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Would you to notice the compassion of our shepherd? He came and took her by the hand. And lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Look now with me at Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. A leper came to him, imploring him. And kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Mark chapter 2 verse 1. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, He was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which was the paralytic lay. And when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. keep reading together. We need to hear God's word. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. He entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, come here. He said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Now they were silent. He looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to them, stretch, or said to him, rather, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and was restored. Mark chapter 5, end of verse 24, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. she was no better, but she grew worse. But she heard the reports about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. She said, if I just touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. Mark chapter 6, where we were together as a church family last Sunday. They crossed over. They came to land at Gennesaret, moored to the shore. They got out of the boat. The people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as were touched it, or as many as touched it, were made well. King Jesus is a healer. King Jesus is a healer. Our fighter verse for this week has given some wonderful descriptions of our God. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. In a moment, we're going to pray, but before we do that, I just want to read a a sample of some things that Jesus has said up to this point in our study through the Gospel of Mark. You hear the statements that he said, and pray by God's grace, they go to the heart of your heart, so to speak. The time is fulfilled, he has said. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. Maybe this was what your soul needs to hear. It's a statement he made in the Gospel of Mark. Peace, be still. Our king has said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And then again in the midst of the storm, he said to his disciples, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid afraid. This is the one that we're going to worship today, the one who is the healer, the one who has compassion, the one who is our redeemer. He's our savior, our friend, and we're going to draw together near him. So we're about to sing to him. We're going to give to him. We're going to hear from him, and what our souls most need in the midst of so much chaos is him. So let's look to him together. Now, if we were all gathered in this place at this time, uh, this would be the part of our worship service that we'd call the greeting time. So, we're going to work that a little bit different this morning. Let's do this. If you're watching along on the live stream, let's turn the comment section there into a Christ exalting encouragement. So, if you're watching along, I want you to take a moment here and uh, write to everyone else that is watching. And I want the content of your comments to be twofold. Uh, first, if there is a word of encouragement, something that God's really teaching you in these days, I want you to post that. Something you're learning about and trusting in Jesus in these days, I want you to post that. And, And then secondly, if you have a particular prayer concern that you want your church family to know about so that right alongside of you they can be praying, I want you to post that as well. I want everybody that's watching on the stream to hear this. We are in this together. There is no one in our church that is going to go through these next number of weeks alone. We're going to be in it together, and we're going to trust that this Christ who is proclaimed so clearly throughout the Gospel of Mark is going to be with us every step of the way. So let's begin by praying together, and then as soon as we're done praying, if you want to fill the comments with your posts, your uh, posts about what you're learning about Jesus, and then also what you would love your church family to be praying alongside with you. Let's pray together. Father, again and again and again, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, who can stretch out his hand and heal lepers, who can stretch out his hand and heal the sick, who draws near to the hurting, who draws near to to, um, those who seek him. So that's my prayer request for my church family, is that these are days that we are seeking the Lord together. Father, I ask now in Jesus' name that uh, this service would glorify Christ, the gospel would be evident, and uh, your people at Calvary are marked in these days by steadfast hope in the Lord. Lord, I pray that you will put an end to coronavirus. I pray that you would eradicate the virus and do so in a way that you're glorified. And now, Father, we pray for our church family. I pray for the discouraged to be encouraged, for the anxious to be calmed, for the frustrated to become joyful. And for those who really need to hear a word from the Lord today, that they hear from the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: alone. My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid crown. Firm through the fiercest drought. Righteousness, stormed by the ones he can't. then Final breath, Jesus commands.
2: family, this is a song that we have sung a few times. Um, It's called, Is He Worthy? And uh, it's basically a call and response. So even if you don't know this song, uh, essentially what you're doing in the verses is just answering the questions that I'm going to be asking you. Uh, Verse one starts like this. Do we feel the world is broken? And then you respond with, we do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. And so on and so forth. And the chorus is, is anyone worthy? So let's sing this together. And you'll sing along the parts uh, as Cindy sings the response parts.
1: Do you feel the word? is all creation groaning it is is new creation coming it is is the glory of the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And is Jesus our Messiah home forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend well again with us. He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah conquer the grave he is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe every nation and tongue he has made us a kingdom a priest to God to reign with the son is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy is he
0: Jesus Christ, the only one who is worthy of all honor and power and praise. want to pray for uh, our uh, time of offering and I just want to say how uh, overwhelmingly grateful I am for the uh, ongoing and continued uh, generosity of our church family. Uh, just to repeat again and, and by way of reminder, there are three ways to give and then three ways to uh, th- three rather things to give to. Uh, you can mail your offering here to the church office. Uh, you can give online right there at our uh, church website. And uh, so far, we've allowed that you would be able to come here to the church if you want to drop it off here as uh, as well. And then uh, three things that we're giving to. One, we are giving to um, an offering specifically for coronavirus needs right here in our own community as we seek to help those who need help, whether that's feeding children who uh, need uh, that uh, help or um, other needs as they arise and then we're ongoing with our Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, of course we recognize perhaps in ways never before that we live in a continent North America that desperately needs the gospel so we give to that in addition to third our regular tithes and offerings so let's pray to that In father I thank you for the generosity of Jesus and then how I see that again and again reflected in the generosity of your people You are sovereign over us. And so may your people be found faithful uh, in generosity and in uh, faithfulness in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Church family, this is a a song. um, It's the first song that I had the privilege of singing the first time I came to Calvary. Uh, It's called Sovereign Over Us. And um, in, in times like this, we need to be reminded that Uh, We know God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. All this is working together for God's glory and for our good. And uh, so this is a song that reminds us of that, that truth. It's called Sovereign Over Us.
1: strength within the sorrow, there is beauty in our tears, and you meet us in our morning with a love that casts out fear. You are working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us, you're with us in the fire, in the flood, you're faithful forever, perfect in love, you are sovereign over us. You are wisdom unimagined Who could understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Reaching down in endless grace You're the lifter of the lowly Compassionate and kind You surround and you uphold me And your promises are my delight Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire, in the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. You turn it for our good and for your glory. Even in the valley you are faithful, you're working for our good. You're working for our good and for your glory. Even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. You turn it for our good and for your glory. Even in the valley, you are faithful. You're working for our good. You're working for our good and for your glory. plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire, in the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign, oh, You're faithful forever, perfect in love, you are sovereign, oh.
0: grateful to the Lord for his goodness and his sovereignty. Well, uh, church family, if you want to join me in Mark uh, chapter 7, that's where we'll be uh, together this morning, Mark chapter 7, and we're going to study verses 1 through 23. Uh, If it's possible where you uh, happen to be uh, right now, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. And uh, I'm not going to read the entire section, Mark 7, 1 through 23, just the beginning portion as we turn our attention to uh, the scripture. In Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Let's pray together. Father, what we need to know and don't know, teach us. What we need to have and don't have, by your grace, give us. And what we need to see from your word that we have not yet seen or need to be reminded of, show us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you permission to do something because it certainly happened in my life this week. And that's simply to... So it's okay if when we read those verses, you said to yourself... Mm, is this what we need right now? Copper pots, cups. I mean, I'm tracking along with the importance of washing hands, but, I mean, things are serious right now. Uh, and, and so is this, and, and I'll just be truthful with you, uh, I, I had those thoughts. I thought to myself, hey, well, we're going to be Palm Sunday, we're going to be entering Holy Week. I can't wait to jump in and see where, and I'll read ahead, and I kind of had an idea, but now we're going to jump into Mark 7. Uh, It seems so appropriate so far, you know, this is our third Sunday, so going back two Sundays. Oh, right in the midst of a storm, and Jesus shows up, and he says, do not be afraid, take heart, it is I. Now, I'm tracking with that, and then last Sunday to read the next section, and it's uh, the sick are being brought to Jesus. I'm tracking with that, so Monday to get in the study and open up the scripture and see this, I, I did a little head scratching and, and spent a little bit of time just I've mean, just being honest saying, "Well, maybe we need to be somewhere else." And as we go along, I, I just want you to, to know that that revealed something about my heart that underscores the necessity of this passage that we're going to be in together. So if you're hesitant, or maybe just truthfully and humility, you'd you'd admit, hey, when we read that, I, I I just thought maybe we need something else. It's okay, it's okay. It's true, but but I but I want to invite you to do something, and and this is kind of the a trajectory that the Holy Spirit took me as I opened up this passage, and so I just give it now to you, and maybe it'll be similar to to you. Jesus has this conversation here in Mark seven in the midst of tremendous physical needs all around him. Now, we at the beginning of the service just kind of gave a brief overview of the number of sick and hurting and desperate people that jesus was ministering to whether that was the leper or the man with the withered hand or the woman with the issue of bleeding i mean in the midst of urgent physical needs this conversation takes place and we need to go back no further than last sunday when jesus is going to the marketplace and the sick are being let out or or, or being laid there and he goes and and he heals them and then we get to this scene and the pharisees and the scribes come from jerusalem I mean, these are the big guns. These are the, the, the high ups, so to speak. These are the elites. Now, they're coming to confront Jesus. And so that was going on then, All right. And then Jesus has one of the longest and most extended conversations in the gospel of Mark. Here in Mark 7, when he's pressed in all around with these urgent physical needs and so i began to see that and 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 then <laughs> and trusting the lord and his word say perhaps god there's a perspective here that i need and would you show that to me and as the week progressed i realized that christ our redeemer christ our rescuer christ our shepherd christ our king if if this matter is of such importance to him then it must be of great importance to me because Jesus would not engage in such an extended conversation when there are so many hurting and desperate needs around him if it were not eternally significant you know what we know about Jesus is he's not argumentative He's not going to discuss things at great length if they are unimportant. So if you've got your Bible there in front of you and perhaps have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll you'll see from that moment that we stopped reading verse 5 when he's confronted by the Pharisees and the scribes until verse 23, he has a lot to say. So let's see what it is that he says. Before we... Go into detail about what Jesus has to say let 's see here the uh, argument and the criticism again in verse one, it says the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem again it'd probably be helpful for us to know that these are uh, uh, again the high ups. These scribes from Jerusalem in that world are, uh, are sort of the cream of the crop, and so they 've now come to confront Jesus. And they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. They've just come from the marketplace where they've been around a lot of sick people. And, and, and now the, the Pharisees say, in verse 3, all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. So let's just kind of get on the same page of what's going on here in the in, in the moment. Is uh, The Pharisees uh take the law of God uh, seriously. It's not suggesting that they're just a little OCD, right? That, that uh, they're just going to criticize the disciples for not washing. They knew the law. And in a, in, a, in a manner of speaking, they took the law seriously. So without belaboring the point, the, the law said if a priest is going to go into the tabernacle to serve there before the Lord, that priest needs to be washed, And so you can go back in the law and see all sorts of um, descriptive, detailed information to to summarize. The priest could not go into the tabernacle. And just hang with me. This has everything to do with your life. It really does. The the priest could not go into the tabernacle to serve if he touched or been around anything that was diseased or decaying or dead. The closest equivalent we likely have in our own day is think about a surgeon going into the operating room, and you probably can uh, come up in, in your mind a visual understanding that they scrub in, right? Why do they scrub in? Because they can't take into the operating room any disease, any decay, anything that would bring harm to the to the patient. Now here's where the Pharisees got this thing that was referred to as the tradition of the elders. It's a pretty good thought on one hand. You might you might think well this makes sense. So if a if a if a priest should wash before he worships, wouldn't be a good idea if everyone washes before they worship? And if the priest is supposed to wash before he worships, wouldn't it be a good idea that everyone washes before they pray? And so what the law had outlined for one group of people at a particular moment, priests before tabernacle, now the Pharisees and the scribes had come along and applied that to everyone everywhere before they prayed. And that's where this criticism is coming from. It says, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? Now this is, What religious people are really good at. Religious people are really good at rules and regulations. And we're living in a time where there are good rules and good regulations, right? I mean, wash your hands, by all means. I know the point of the sermon is not wash your hands. No, wash your hands. Have you gotten good at it? I mean, the skin's just about off my knuckles at this point. But rules and regulations are helpful, but it is death to the soul if you think rules and regulations will make you clean. That is what Jesus is going to say in this passage of scripture. See, rules and regulations are what religious people always are drawn to, and all the rules and regulations take what is our great privilege, worshiping and knowing God, and they, rules and regulations make pursuing God out to be joyless drudgery. We're all good at rules and regulations, aren't we? I just give you an example um, in in my little world in my family uh, we we started having arguments among my children in particular about who got to sit in the front seat when we would go somewhere. Now when I was growing up, me and my brothers we handled it this way whoever yelled shotgun first got front seat. But but that led to a, a, a that, that that worked to a degree in, in in our growing up years, but my children are a little bit more logical and uh, pr- smarter than <laughs> than we were. So they begin to make rules about who got to sit, who gets to sit in the front seat. And it started out really simple. Everybody had a month, so every day of that month, Mary Claire got to sit in the front seat, and then Abel. But then, as the children have grown up, and more can sit in the front seat, I'll just tell you at, at this point, the rule book of who gets to sit in the front seat, if we were printed out, it's a, it would be like a foot thick. All these contingencies. Yeah, it's her month, but she's not here now. And it just goes, we're really good at rules and regulations. And this whole thing called the tradition of the elders. And they said, if you'll obey these rules and regulations, you won't be defiled. Well, let's see now how Jesus responds. In verse 6, he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, the people, see they came with their tradition, he responds with scripture, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines, as doctrines, the commandments of men. So a couple of words I want you to grab out of what Jesus said, the the scripture from Isaiah, hypocrite. Heart worship, hypocrite heart worship. And he said, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained for me is Corbin that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. Now let's read these verses, and I want you to really soberly look at what Jesus is saying. He called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. You see, Jesus wants you to really hear this. And understand, verse 15, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things from within, and they defile a person. Jesus draws near and says something important about our hearts. First of all, they're hypocritical. We can honor God with our lips, that's what he says, when our hearts are actually far from him. And the days which we live illustrate this uh, clearly, don't they? Now, uh, we're, we're dealing with rules and regulations that are helpful about how you can prevent something from outside of you coming inside of you. So we wash our hands. By all means, yes, wash our hands. We have social distancing, all sorts of rules and regulations about where you should go or where you should not go. Stay home, right? Why? Because there's something outside of you that you don't want to get inside of you. And yet Jesus, who's all-knowing and in the midst of serving people who have serious issues, serious things, leprosy, disease, issues with bleeding, all around him is death and disease and decay. He says what you have to realize is what defiles you comes not from without, it actually comes from within. The heart of the matter is the heart. Do you know what God most deeply is concerned about in your life, in you, is... You is your heart. How is your heart today? What's the condition of your heart? Now Jesus is a great physician and he's willing to give an accurate prescription. What's wrong with your heart is your heart. You see, everywhere else, everywhere else, whatever philosophy, whatever world religion that you want to, to, to think about, always gets this diagnosis the other way around, that if you just prevent, or if you'll just keep, if you'll do these five things, keep these pillars, if you'll wash your hands this way, if you do these number of activities, then you'll be clean. But here's the problem. We're not clean on the inside, and we don't possess a brush that if we'll use it and scrub hard enough, or these number of exercises, if we'll do these, Jesus loves you enough to come near to you and say, here's what's really going on. This is what is going on in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your friendships. What defiles us is not outside of us. It's actually within us. I've been asked many times, why I've never colored my hair, and I would say for such a time as this. We want to transform things on the outside that aren't actually true. We want to present ourselves in a way that if we think about it in a measure, now don't get caught up on the hair, if you're I'm not, don't worry about that, I'm not trying to make a big point about that, but But is it true in your life that you find your lips saying things that aren't true of your heart? And I want you to know that the Lord, Jesus Christ, knows the real you and he loves the real you. Now, here's what we do. And we're not going to be too harsh on the Pharisees this morning because all of us have some Pharisee, some scribe in us. And here's what we do. Look at that list of things that Jesus says comes out of the heart. From within, verse uh, 21, from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Now, where are all these things revealed? These are matters about the law, aren't they? Sexual immorality, do not commit adultery, envy, do not covet. You can take all the things that are in the heart and attach them to the law of God, right? Now, here's what we like to do. We like to... uh, Scan that list, and see some things that we are up for doing, and then see some things on that list that we wrestle with. And here's what our heart does: it gets really rationalizing about what we wrestle with, and gets really judgmental about what we don't. Well, this matter of the heart—just uh, to use the example that Jesus uses here. It shows up in your closest relationships. Uh, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're all up in arms about how Jesus and his disciples aren't washing their hands in the way that, uh, that they critically think or uh, criticizing for doing. And yet Jesus turns it around and says, Well, let's talk about how you actually treat your parents. Now, here's the here's evidence of the heart. Uh, evidence of the heart in your own life and then in, in uh, people is evident on how we treat our most vulnerable. And what the Pharisees had done, you remember they get this real thick tradition of the elders' book, is they had decided, and in a sneaky way, had said, well, if we have money but we say it's Corban, that means it's devoted to the Lord, so we won't use it to take care of our parents. Now, the law says honor your mother and father, but they concocted a, a system where now, well, we, quote, dedicate this to the Lord, so we'll use it for ourselves. Well, Jesus gives this diagnosis. What's wrong with you is not outside of you. It's actually inside of you. And until we agree with Jesus on the nature of the problem, we can't have help for the problem. I don't know how it's been going, Uh, quarantined in your house and your uh, family. One of the things we did this past week is... uh, is uh, we, we started streaming from um, a platform called the Great Courses Plus. I don't know if you've seen this or not, uh, but the Great Courses Plus will stream uh, sort of college classes, and so that's one of the things we've tried to do uh, this week, and so all sorts of options are in the Great Courses. I mean, you can learn about European history, or you can learn some physics, all, uh, uh, so, so many uh, good options, and, and um, Uh, Many of them well beyond uh, my understanding. And what we uh, settled on was this class, this course taught by a professor called Mathematical Problem Solving. And I knew immediately that I was not going to be good at this class. But I have found it really interesting. And so in the first one, the professor gets up and he starts to uh, give all these sorts of uh, word problems that had me having flashbacks to high school, and I wasn't good at them then, and I'm not good at them now, and so uh, so uh, our family would sit and see this word problem, and the very first one, I thought, oh, I got this. This is easy, and, and so I blurted out an answer, and uh, my gracious wife uh, quickly pointed out to why that couldn't be so. Now, um, in, in fact, I'm so bad at it. I'm just going to be honest for a moment. My intention was to come up here and give one of the word problems. My wife is so kind. She kind of heard that that was my plan and just sort of patiently said, uh, uh you're you're so not great at this that even quoting the problem, you're gonna get it wrong. So I might post it on uh, Facebook later today and then you can read uh read the problem. And so so the professor would say, here's the word problem, here's the mathematical problem, pause it, and now you discuss and figure it out. So this one in particular that I probably I think I will post later today. Uh we we sat there for 15, 20 minutes and batted it around, and I think it's this and so on and so forth. And uh and then we turned it back on, and guess what? We were well, we were completely wrong, but the, the problem did have a solution. Now, here's reality in our, in our little world. Even when he gave the solution, we were skeptical, and we said, that, that's not right. That's not how this mathematical problem would be solved, and uh, then um, Abel, who's probably the sharpest among us, a light bulb went off, and he said, that it is right, and then he began to explain to the rest of us, and then I got it, and I tried to explain, and I was getting sort of um, uh, frustrated. I was like, no, here's what the solution is, but then they weren't understanding, and then, and and here's, here's where we're going with this already too long (laughs) illustration. Can you receive from Jesus the diagnosis for the problem with your life is not somebody else, something else, something outside of you, it's actually you. What defiles you is your own heart. Now, the scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? So here's what the solution is not. Jesus is accurate. He's faithful. He says, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, uh, envy, rather, slander, pride, foolishness. And here's not the solution. Just stop doing those things. Stop your sexual immorality. Stop your coveting. You know who does tell you that? Pharisees will tell you that. Religious people will tell you that. And they'll give you rules that if you'll abide by them, you really struggle with sexual immorality, well, let's just do these three things. If you really struggle with coveting, just stop and do these things instead. Why does that not work? Well, you know why it doesn't work, doesn't it? Or or, or don't you, rather? It doesn't work, it's because that's who you are. So we don't need an improved heart. We actually need a new heart the only hope that we have i mean we'll, we'll get through this virus season and in some way shape or form perhaps if it's the lord's will we'll go back to quote normal but will any of these things go away now this is the world that we live in we don't need a new uh, an improved heart we need a a new heart now jesus is not just simply going to say here's what the problem is. This is what I love about Jesus. This is what I love about Jesus. An accurate diagnosis. He will put us in our place where we really are, but he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. Look back here at this uh, prophecy that Isaiah gives. He says, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, that is the prophecy Isaiah gave about us. We say things that aren't true of our heart. We do things when our heart is defiled. But that's not the only prophecy Isaiah gave. Isaiah gave gave prophecies that tell us who we are, but then Isaiah also gave prophecies of one who would rescue us from that condition. He said, A wonderful counselor is coming. And this is wonderful counsel, isn't it? To get an accurate diagnosis. The Prince of Peace, he's coming. All we, Isaiah prophesied this, have gone astray, but there's one coming who all of our iniquity will be laid upon. You see, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. You know, the the day that we live in, the day that we live in is is uh the false gospel is just stop calling these things unclean. Sexual immorality, just get over that. Haven't you moved on? It's, it's not unclean. If we desire, if our heart desires it, then that's <laughs> license to do it. Now, Jesus doesn't say, let's do away with the law. He doesn't say, I've come to a, abolish the law. What did he say? I've come to fulfill the law. Because the, what the law does say is we've always needed a priest who is clean. We have always needed a priest to be a mediator for us. These Levites, these Levites are a picture of the one who is to come. And now Jesus, he is our high priest. It's true, it's true. We can't approach God if we're diseased or dirty, or decaying. But praise God Almighty, there is one who is not dirty. He's clean. And what he does is he goes to the altar of sacrifice, not to make a sacrifice, but actually to be the sacrifice. Listen to me, if you have the grace to receive this, all that is wrong with your heart, Jesus can transform. You don't need an improved heart. You don't need to try harder. You don't need more rules and addendums to those rules. And here's an appendix. No, you need to come to the cross and say, there's my priest. There's my sacrifice. Everything that defiles me, I can't scrub away, but his blood can do so. You see, Jesus is discussing and Jesus is arguing here in Mark 7. And this discussion and this argument is all in the context of where he's going. Because praise God Almighty, can we be thankful for this? Jesus is not just talk. He's not just somebody who talks about a problem. He's somebody who goes and fixes the problem. When we were growing up, my dad loved uh, grapevines and and one time in our uh yard, he built a grapevine and, and uh nailed the posts into the ground and and then had these grapevines uh growing and and we would love to go out there and and pick the grapevines, but it wasn't too long after uh he put the posts in the ground that we realized there was a significant uh problem in in putting the post in the ground he'd actually put the post into our septic tank. Now, if you've heard enough of my illustrations, you're thinking, y'all really had some serious issues with septic tanks in your yard growing up, and that, and that is true. And uh, I won't go into detail, but it it created a mess. I, I'll just use the word here from Mark 7. There was some defiling going on. Now, here's what religion does. Religion focuses on pruning the grapevine just cut this back and so but there's a defilement issue see we didn't need to uh spend a lot of time talking about how the grapes could be with the fruit that our lives would produce will always be defiled because the heart is defiled and here's the amazing grace of god the only one who ever had a heart that was not hypocritical the only one who ever had a heart that was not defiled, as Isaiah prophesied, he's going to be born of a virgin. He, he's not going to inherit the defiled heart from Adam like all the rest of us. Has. The only one who has a heart that is holy and without hypocrisy, the only one who honors God with lips while at the same time having a heart of obedience, the one who is perfectly clean and undefiled is willing to take all that defilement upon himself. You see this is where my post is in life and I'm going to nail it down and come back to it again and again is that my life is anchored on the truth of God's kingdom and that is he who is undefiled took my defilement and in exchanged and in exchange rather gave gives me his righteousness. You see Jesus is not just giving an argument rightly understood he's giving an invitation he's saying pharisees scribes here's this whole system that you've set up and your system might look different than the pharisees your rules and your regulations you say i'll really be undefiled if and then you fill in the blank we've got all sorts of ways to do to do, to do this It's universal. It's all over the world. I'll be undefiled if I make a sacrifice in this way or if I don't have this amount of screen time or if I attend this number of services or if I really memorize my fighter verse or if I tune into the live stream, then I'll be undefiled. But the only thing that makes us undefiled is the blood of King Jesus. And so the fruit of our lives comes from being undefiled by his righteousness, not the other way around. Not if I'll produce this fruit, he'll accept me. Let's go in and get the fighter verse for next week. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. Now, make a few concluding applications. Here's how it was evident. Here's how it was evident in the lives of the Pharisees and the scribes that their heart was completely disordered. They treated the people closest to them horribly. (laughs) That's what he said. You're coming to me with these claims about hand-washing. Can we talk a moment about how you treat your parents? So here in your own life, here's where it's evident. You know, Jesus sums the law up this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So they're related. See, when our heart is disordered by sin, it shows up in how we treat people, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our children, how we treat our parents, how we treat our neighbor. Jesus says, your heart is disordered not only in what you do, but also in what you do not do. So grateful that Jesus loves us enough to put us in our place, and then he loves us enough to take our place. We'll conclude with his clear statement in Mark chapter 7 verse 15 there is nothing outside a person there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him but the things that come out of a person are what defile him praise God almighty (laughs) Jesus can go into the heart holy spirit can go into the heart and if you believe on the lord jesus christ all those things that bubble up and well up and rule and reign in the heart whether it's envy sexual immorality slander coveting foolishness there's nothing that jesus lists in those verses that he can't liberate and cleanse you from i'm so thankful to the lord uh, jesus christ So may we be a people who aren't trying to prune the grapevine, we're moving the post so that we can celebrate always. And in particular, as we enter uh, Holy Week this week, the week of Easter, we can celebrate that Christ has come to help us. He has come to heal us. He has come to save us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Mark 7 I believe in this day that we live with all the urgency around us, we need to hear the Lord Jesus say, what is most wrong with us is inside of us. And we do pray, we do pray for any number of urgent things outside of us that we need help with, that you would bring calm to our chaos. But I am also asking in light of the scripture that the word of God probes more deeply, that it wasn't leprosy, It wasn't withered hands. It wasn't an issue of bleeding that was most urgent in that day or in our day. That what we need is not an improved heart. We need cleansing from within. So I pray that it's evident, no matter what is going on outside of us, that in the midst of it, we have hearts that are joyful, full of gratitude, and are becoming more and more like Jesus I thank you for a clean high priest who knew no defilement, who took my defilement, that I might be made clean. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: i is our God